1: Back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibbiani. I'm a film critic for
0: Crave Online and What the Flick and IGN now. (laughs) Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, My name is Whitney Zeibold. I am also a film critic for Legion of Leia and Nerdist and the blog at the New Beverly. And I'm no longer the co-host of the, the B Movies Podcast. From whence we hailed, from whence we hailed previously.
1: Uh, yeah, if you're if you only listen to one of us, or maybe you've been like letting mm. the B Movies Podcast back up our first podcast, the B Movies Podcast, we reviewed new movies, interviewed mm. filmmakers, talked about movie news. Uh, that is no more. Uh, that was not our podcast was, to begin with. Uh, and
0: due, due to, you know, the usual corporate reshuffling, uh, yeah. we, we got lost in the shuffle. The,
1: the, the website was going in a different direction and there really wasn't a place for it anymore. We're looking for a new home mm. for our podcast centric uh, film mm. reviews. Yes. Um, and we're having some conversations about that. It's too early to announce anything, mm. but that's not why we're here. We're here for canceled too soon. That's right. The podcast where we review television series lasted only one season or less. Uh, and uh, this That's week. All said in one breath. This week, we are doing a, a, a fun one. We've been promising for a while now that we were going to do more animated shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we only do one of these a week, and it gets kind of, like, things kind of pile up, and it's been too long. So this week, Whitney had a suggestion. It's his birthday. I let him have it.
0: Thank you. Uh,
1: for a failed animated Pilot, the last time we did a failed animated pilot, it was Whitney's suggestion for the Crash Test Dummies. No, actually, we since then we did X-Men. But that wasn't your suggestion. That wasn't my suggestion. You're right, but it was a failed pilot. My yeah. apologies. You're right. Mm-hmm. No, it's fine. <laughs> crash Dummies was like no one cared. But, but no and one like, cared.
0: We did the Incredible Crash Dummies, right. and uh, which was, uh, I think, aired around the same time as this one. Uh, around there. And it was another one that... Uh, that one I taped and watched mm. kind of incessantly, and I really loved it at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it kind of held up, although you didn't like it. I didn't care for it. And this is one that I wanted to see and never got to. Ooh, that's fun. And uh, because it failed, it was uh, withheld from me for the longest time. But fortunately, uh, the internet exists. Th- th- thankfully, since this this came up, uh, mm. the internet came to be. Uh, mm. e- I started looking for it on eBay. There were VHS copies available, Mm -hmm. but they were far too expensive for me to actually buy. I wasn't going to pony up 60 bucks just to see this 22-minute special. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's a bit much.
0: Yeah. It's a bit much. Uh, But yeah, then YouTube was invented, and uh, thank the stars, it is now on YouTube in its entirety. And this is very,
1: very appropriate. This is good timing, uh, because it is a superhero series you may have heard of. Mm -hmm. It's called The Defenders.
0: Of Dinatron City. Welcome
1: to Dinatron City, proud symbol of the atomic age.
0: Wait! Something has gone wrong! Mutants are taking over the metropolis! Who can stop these terrifying creatures? Yeah!
1: Only a new breed of superhero with superpowers I'm can save our world.
0: You lift your heads. Glad you mentioned
1: it. Watch the Defenders of Dinatron City, Saturday, February 22nd on Fox. The
0: Defenders <laughs> of Dinatron City. You're just trying to snag people looking for the defenders.
1: Of Dinatron City. Yeah. You,
0: you, know, you know what SEO is? It's tricking people. It's tricking people who are looking up something else into clicking on what we have. So, so if you're
1: listening to our podcast to find out more about the defenders
0: of Dinatron City.
1: <laughs> well if you're if you're looking for the defenders of Dinatron City, you're in the right place. Yeah. If you're looking for the defenders, uh, sorry. But this is fun we, too. We tricked you. <laughs> but now that you're here, you may as well stay. The Defenders of Dinatron City was a failed animated pilot. It was created in conjunction with a rather
0: well-remembered video game mm. from LucasArts. I think, wasn't LucasArts? It was LucasArts. It was, LucasArts. It, it was created by a guy named Gary Winnick uh, who mm. was one of the designers on Maniac Mansion.
1: And also The Secret uh. of Monkey Island 1 and 2 and Loom mm. and those were like the best adventure
0: games. Mm. The, the point and click them up uh, adventures. Yeah
1: like you know you walk into a room it's full of stuff. You pick up stuff you use stuff or other stuff mm. and it made you laugh harder than any movie that came out that year. And, and He was the master of those or one of them. Anyway.
0: And, and it wasn't like mayhem. You don't get to sort of control the characters walk around you, well, you, you, you put pu- you push a button and the character will walk over to it um, mm-hmm. and but yeah it was it was more sort of yeah constructing things and figuring out puzzles but it was all staged in sort of this sitcom cartoony sort of way at least from Lucas Arts. Mostly, yeah, um, yeah they, a, they they had a good irreverent sense of humor. Yeah, Lucas Arts also did like Day of the Tentacle and uh, they, Grim they were, Fandango. The Grim and, Fandango. They were responsible for the Salmon Max uh, video game. Sam and Max hit the road,
1: which is also uh, very appropriate because in addition to mm-hmm. uh, Gary Winnick, this show was also developed by well a bunch of people, mm-hmm. uh, including Howard Rothman and Cynthia Wethman. But uh it was also developed by Steve Purcell the creator of Sam and Max mm-hmm. whose series Sam and Max
0: Freelance Police we've previously reviewed on canceled mm-hmm. too soon and is one of Whitney's favorite things. Well, uh, Steve Purcell's sense of humor just gets gets me right in the button. It's it's so strange and kind of satirical and deal... It it's comes from humor from, like, the outside. It kind of mm-hmm. comes at everything sideways. Sam and Max were agents of chaos. I think Steve Purcell himself uh, longs to be an agent of chaos. Perhaps. Trying to throw a monkey wrench into this thing, but he's working for George Lucas's company. Mm-hmm. So he's, like, kind of dismantling it from the inside well, in, a, in a sort of punky kind of way. Well, I
1: think, I think he's, he's such a, a distinctive voice that mm-hmm. in his work gets filtered through other people's voices and becomes a little bit more manageable. You want watch Sam and Max Freelance Police, and you're right, it is chaos to the extent that it's actually kind of hard to watch after a while, <laughs> well, just because
0: there's nothing to ground it. If, if you're trying to to you know mainline that stuff, yeah. If, yeah, it if does you're, not work. If, if you watch like one or two in a row and then take a break, I think yeah. you might be okay. The
1: Defenders of Dinatron City, however, is very, very much a Gary Winnick joint, and mm. as such... It looks on the surface not entirely unlike a traditional superhero show. Mm. Uh, it's constructed in some respects not entirely unlike a traditional superhero show. But it's in the nuances and in the humor mm. and in the strange character choices that you see that this is not like other uh, superhero shows mm-hmm. at all.
0: And In fact, it's it takes place in kind of a strange universe. And I, yeah. I really appreciate that. And it comes from this very kind of stream of consciousness a version of the superhero story. Mm -hmm. When the superheroes are created, for instance, they don't discover they have powers and come to terms with those powers and then decide to maybe team up. They emerge from the glop in their costumes. Yes. (laughs) They emerge from the glop in their costumes like, hey, I have electrical
1: powers. I'm Miss Megawatt now! (laughs) I have a a head that's a rocket! I'm Jet Headstrong! Jet Headstrong! (laughs) I'm watching this scene in the Mm. Defenders of Dinatron City, and honestly, I think it's the most interesting part of the show for me, because when we think about superheroes... It's a power fantasy. Mm. It'd be fun to be a superhero. Yeah. You have cool costume and cool powers, but there's a lot of little things you don't necessarily think of. So I actually wanted to play a, a, a little game with you. Okay. As we talk about this important moment in Defenders. <laughs> of Dentron City. Uh, I'm going to give you a superpower, mm. and you have three seconds to come up with your superhero name.
0: <laughs> Sounds because good. that's okay. what it's
1: like. But, they yeah. just pop in, boom! My head's a rocket. I'm Jet Headstrong. Mm. So... Uh, I'm going to give you superpowers. Okay. Let's see what you got to come up with. All right. Okay. Uh, you can turn into an elephant. Uh, p-
0: pachydermicus. Ooh. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I
1: had you there. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, you can mentally control
0: cars. Um, uh, auto-tune. <laughs> Ooh. You're, but, wow. But, but with two O's. There you go. So As, as to not run into uh, copyright infringement on, on actual auto-tune. <laughs> Okay, mm.
1: um, uh, uh, mm. you
0: have, um, mm. half of your body is a robot. <laughs> um, oh gosh, Me- Mecha, mm. De- Too late, you're Mecha. Me- Mecha Demi. Um, no, too late, you're It's done. It's uh, done. Shoot. You fucked up. Just Mecha, that's all yeah, I got. Yeah, that's it. That's all you get. Uh. <laughs> can, you can, are- it, can there be a hyphen on the end with just Mecha hyphen? <laughs> Fine. All right, there you go. <laughs>
1: Make a hyphen. Yeah, there you go. Make a, like a high, make a hyphen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, mm. let's, okay, hold on, I'm not
0: done mm. yet. I'm not done yet. Mm. Um, I got three seconds. You got right? three right.
1: seconds. Uh,
0: you can build any piece of furniture. Uh, the Ottoman. Oh, wait, that's taken. She's that taken. Uh, uh, okay, get a mulligan on that. All right. Um, uh, three. So- sofa man. <laughs> I don't know. Fair no. enough. They right. don't have, they're not always going to be good. This all is right. kind of
1: my point. But, uh Let's see. Foldable sleeper. How about that? All right. You're a big rose with extra spiky thorns. Oh, um Rosalita.
0: That's dainty. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> uh
1: all right. You can shoot corn from your fists.
0: <laughs> Amazing. Woo! <laughs> Wendy's good at this.
1: This is a fun game you can play at home. Well,
0: here here's the thing. When I was twelve. And I was just getting into comic book before I was reading comics, but I was into all the superhero characters thanks to trading cards. I drew came up with my own superhero canon of characters. Nice. Like a hundred characters, and I came up with trading cards for each of them. So That's cool. I did this once just in mm. for my own creative edification and came up with a hundred really, really lame characters. You can remove
1: your skull from your body and throw it at people. Um headbutt. Nice. So the Defenders of Dinatron City <laughs>
0: uh, aired on Fox Kids Saturday morning, February 22nd, 1992. Uh, 90, uh, which was in advance of the video game, which was already in production. That's right. And uh, I think the comic book debuted around the same time. Steve Purcell adapted this for a six-issue comic series. Yeah. I think it was supposed to be ongoing. It wasn't meant to be a miniseries. Well, I
1: maybe mean, if the show was a hit, it probably would have kept yeah. going. But this happened a lot. Um, you know, you don't just come up with a Saturday morning cartoon show. You realize, oh, this could be a whole thing. So you Hmm. come up with a comic book, come up with action figures. Um, Some of them are hits, most of them are not.
0: Cross-platform saleable.
1: Uh, So it aired right after Tasmania... Which means <laughs> I probably saw it opening opening
0: weekend, <laughs> and right before Little Shop, which I forgot was a thing. Oh yeah, the animated Little Shop of Horrors that series, was an based, actual based thing. on the '86 movie specifically. Yeah, did that only last one season? We have to look this up. I'm pretty sure it did. It oh, was man, it was that that weird time when Rick Moranis was a superstar? Like he was. It was a go- great time. Are was, you talking yeah. about? Well, a weird time. was t-
1: one season, 13 when, episodes. When I boom. say it, when
0: I say it was a weird time, it's kind of a pity that it ended so abruptly yeah. the way it did. Like Rick Moranis's star just fell and uh but yeah, he was in Ghostbusters 1 and 2, which were both hits, no matter how you feel yeah, about Ghostbusters uh, 2. Honey, I
1: Shrunk the Kids. Honey, I Shrunk
0: the Kids, Little Shop, of uh, yeah. Strange Brew. If, I don't, I'm not sure how yeah. many kids saw that one. But, a, but it was a hit.
1: People liked that movie. Yeah, yeah, He, he was he,
0: great. He was a, a recognizable dude. He was in Gravedale High, if you remember that TV series. Vaguely? He was the principal of a high school for Universal Monster teenagers.
1: That's a good idea for a show.
0: Yeah. I like that and, But he was, he was just, he played essentially himself. He was Rick mm-hmm. Moranis. Animated series? Animated series. Gravedale High. Okay. Uh,
1: So uh, the episode was directed by Chuck Patton, who had a very, very long career. He won an Emmy for directing the HBO animated series Spawn, which actually lasted multiple seasons. Mm. Uh, He also directed Captain N on the N Squad, G.I. Joe, Swamp Thing, Double Dragon. Uh, It was written by Bob Uh Forward, which is a great name. <laughs> uh, he wrote the uh, Legend of Zelda cartoon on the oh, Super Mario Brothers Super Show.
0: Oh yeah, those gems!
1: Captain Planet, Biker Mice from Mars, a lot tra- of a lot of the crap from the time, but also good stuff. Uh, Transformers Beast Wars has a lot of people who really like that show. Right. X Men Evolution, I saw some of that. That was a good show. And Cops.
0: Oh, C O P S, cops. Yeah, which fighting crime in for- future time. What did COPS stand Uh, for? Oh, it was um, Central Organization of Police Specialists. (laughs) Yeah, it was was an
1: awesome show. Look up the COPS, C-O-P-S, like Uh, an acronym. Uh, Look that up on YouTube. Just look at the opening credits and look at how cool this show looks. It's an action-oriented show in which all the cops and all the criminals were cyborgs.
0: Well, it took place. It was kind of like, uh, I guess, Ghost in the Shell in that regard, where just mm. people just have cybernetic parts now.
1: Yeah, I um, always looked at it as a natural evolution of RoboCop. Like twenty years yeah. after RoboCop, everyone's got this stuff. Right, right, um, right, yeah, that was a cool one. It's actually um, a pretty
0: well-written show. <laughs> I, I re- that was one I dared to revisit, and actually holds up pretty well.
1: Nice. Okay, so the uh, the cast of characters. Mm. You have need to you have a superhero team. get to introduce a lot of superheroes. Mm. Here they are: Jet Headstrong. He's big, he's strong, his head is a jet, it detaches from his body, it just flies around. He can fly by grabbing his head as it flies out of his body. Yeah, it's got,
0: It's got like little handles on his head. Uh, uh, and he uh, pr- in his previous life, he was a protocolo delivery man.
1: We'll talk about protocolo in a mm. minute. Uh, Pat Fr- It was played by Pat Fraley mm-hmm. from Turbo Teen, Rainbow Bright, Tailspin. He was Batmite on Batman the Animated Series. He was also Krang and Baxter Stockman in the original oh, no Ninja, Ninja,
0: Ninja Turtle. So good career. Well, you, um, you wouldn't know because he has sort of like a, a broad sort of southern hick accent in this one. Yeah, maybe. he's
1: really mm-hmm. sometimes you hear like the same voice and it's like oh I know that voice yeah he's really doing something different. Uh, his girlfriend in the show is mm. Buzzsaw Girl, played by Candy Milo, who has K- a who's very- been in
0: everything. She's been K- in everything.
1: Yeah. She was K- in SWAT Cats, The Radical Squadron, which was one of my mm. favorites. She was Dexter in Dexter's Lab for a while, but oh, was she, she in- wasn't the only. There were oh I guess I guess because
0: Kristen Cavanaugh passed away Yes, there
1: have been a few uh but she's great and she plays every line of dialogue like jessica rabbit is about to orgasm yeah yeah like it's really weird because she keeps talking about beating people up but you know she's about to orgasm yeah Yeah, it's really weird um ms megawatt who Hmm. has electricity powers oh buzzsaw girl has a
0: buzzsaw instead of feet (laughs) <laughs> her leg, her legs fuse and her, her feet turn into a big buzz on She rolls around. Which
1: raises a lot of biological questions that we're not going to get into,
0: but we're well, asking them. If she appears in costume, I'm guessing it's just sort of part of her skin now. Like, they yeah. can't take those clothes off.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't understand mm. how it's going to work. It's mm. not comfy. It's not
0: good. Mm. It's going to have some difficult bathroom times. Maybe, maybe she excretes from her navel now. Maybe it all maybe she can only excrete in the Whitney. form of energy, so she just has to constantly buzzsaw around now. Thanks, Whitney. We needed that. Ms. Megawatt is played by Whoopi Goldberg, <laughs> whom you
1: know from being Whoopi Goldberg. Because she's Whoopi Goldberg. Whom you know from the movie Fatal Beauty. This was around the time when she actually won an Oscar for Ghost. Like it was like right around that time. And she chose was like a lot of, of
0: really strange projects, and yeah. she she was already on Star Trek, uh, so she was on, working constantly as, mm-hmm. as sort of this recurring role. I'm guessing when when Guinan appeared in an episode, uh, my guess was always Whoopi Goldberg caught up and said, "Hey, you shooting this week?" <laughs> I said, "Sure, we'll write something real quick." She <laughs> was a big get for that show. It was kind of yeah. weird. Like she was like, it's must be like.
1: I don't know. I'm trying to think of what's on the air right now. Mm. Just, like, every once in a while on CSI, Brad Pitt shows up for no reason. Like, he's a big yeah, actor. Yeah. Like, everyone mm. knew Whoopi Goldberg. And Wait, everyone f-
0: still does. She's great. Star Trek was a popular show, but it wasn't really a prestige show, you know? It they wasn't didn't have something, big
1: yeah. guest stars in air quotes, you know? Mm. They were just, like, good character actors on those Like, a-
0: occasionally you might have, like, a fan, like Kevin, or not Kevin and Bean, um... Uh, Mark and Brian, mm. the, the the DJs, showed up in, as aliens because they, they really? were fans. Yeah, I didn't know that. There was, you remember the episode with like the two like they looked like fish. They had like gigantic round eyes on either side of their head. Oh, that, but that broke the Star Trek rule where you're not allowed to oh, mess you know with what? the eyes. Oh, you know what? Sorry, mistake. Revoke my truckie card. They were the ones who skulked around in the UV light in the episode where Jordy turns into like a UV alien, like an invisible alien. Oh. That was Mark and Brian. That's fun. Uh, Rounding out the team, we've got Toolbox,
1: who was a toolbox until he mutated into a superhero. Uh, uh, He's a a robot, but yeah. Yeah. uh, But yeah, he he was a box of tools. We'll talk about that. Mm. It's played by David Coburn, who was Captain Planet. And in a bit of casting that will always make me laugh. Mm -hmm. He was in the animated series New Kids on the Block, which we will review someday. (laughs) (laughs) If I have to bust my ass tracking it down for years, I will find it. Oh, golly.
0: You know what? I now regret not getting that VHS at the Goodwill six years ago. Oh, you (sighs) idiot. I should have bought it. It was 50 cents.
1: So uh, David Coburn played Donnie Wahlberg in the New Kids (laughs) on the Block animated series. That will always be funny to me. <laughs> who were you? I was Donnie Wahlberg in an animated Only it wasn't
0: Donnie Wahlberg. He was just Donnie, I think. I think they were just their he's, first names when they were in The New he's Kids. He's
1: credited as Donnie Wahlberg in the animated series. Oh, well, all right. Uh, monkey Kid yeah. is the team leader. He was not a kid who turned into a monkey. He was a monkey who became part kid. Mm. Uh, he's played by Brian Mitchell from Trapper John MD. He played Danny in New Kids on the Block. Uh, and he was also <laughs> who, Trevor on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Who, who
0: brought over whom, I wonder. Yeah.
1: And then the, Here's the, there's a couple of cool bits of casting. There's Adam Ed, the Floating Head, who's played by Tim Curry, mm. who, of course, you know from Earth 2. Uh, the announcer is Gary Owens, who was the from, announcer in everything.
0: He, uh, maybe most visibly Saturday Night Live, but yeah, he's. He, well, on Garfield or and not, Friends. Or not, not Saturday Night Live, um, Laugh-In. laugh He was Laughin. the announcer for Laugh-In. Uh,
1: Garfield and Friends. He mm. was Space Ghost originally. He, yeah. He had a great career. But then the villain is Dr. Mayhem and Dr. Mayhem was played by Charlie Adler who was Buster Bunny on Tiny Toons. Yeah, he was
0: Eric Raymond and Jam in the he, Holograms. He was every pretty much every character on Cow and Chicken except yeah. except for I Am Weasel. He was
1: Mr. Big Head on Rocco's Modern Life, but mm. Charlie Adler replaced another actor. And that actor was, strangely enough, Christopher
0: Walken. You had Christopher Walken like the, as the bad guy on your show, and you replaced him? It's it's a little... Well, I mean, it's entirely possible that Christopher Walken maybe only signed on for a pilot, and they if they were picked up, they wouldn't be able to get him, so they'd have to replace him anyway. Why did you hire him in the first place, though? I There's don't know. No, well, it's, it's like on The Tick. They actually originally had Mickey Dolenz doing the voice of Arthur, but uh, I guess Mickey Dolan's only signed on for one season or he didn't want to do it. So when they came back for a second season, they got Rob Paulson. But
1: that happens all the time. Why yeah. is that? Here's my th- here's mm-hmm. my theory. And I think this is probably a little bit more likely. Mm-hmm. They cast Christopher Walken. They recorded Christopher Walken. But then they had a major rewrite or they needed to do something else. Uh-huh. And they couldn't get him back so, he was busy. Yeah.
0: So and, they had to recast it entirely. So you either cast Kevin Pollock, who is probably too expensive, mm. <laughs> who can do a perfect Christopher well, You could Walken. afford Christopher
1: Walken, but you already paid for Christopher Walken, yeah. so you get so, Charlie Adler. So you
0: get Charlie Adler, who, you know, is a hard-working voice actor. He's been in every cartoon you've ever seen, yeah. and uh, I Charlie Adler's fun. He's a great voice actor. He can play a maniac really well, yeah. but it's I wish I could have heard Christopher Walken's performance. It would have
1: been great. Uh, so, okay, let's so talk it,
0: about the episode. Okay, so it takes place in uh, Dinatron City, which I believe might be uh, living in the 1950s, in this alternate universe where there's no electricity, everything's powered by atomic energy, and everything glows with a radioactive glow. And uh, the most popular cola is Proto-Cola, and it's, we're, we see in a, a prologue that Proto-Cola mutates its drinkers. Yeah, and there's you a drink th- it, and then you get, like, so, extra we, arms, or your
1: head is an eyeball. Yeah. And so, this is
0: a selling point. Yeah, they, th- so this is clearly a world where sort of the corporate world has run amok, and atomic energy is everywhere because it's cheap, even though it's really, really, really dangerous. So it's this weird... Mu- mutation and radiation are just kind of in the background of everything. It's this weird hybrid, because it's told in
1: this sort of Troy McClure kind of, Welcome to Dynatron City, where everything is atomic powered. Yeah, and it's it's selling you on atomic energy, but we're consciously aware of all of the potential hazards <laughs> hazards downsides you know side effects of atomic, of atomic energy but that's considered a selling point here everything is super positive oh. on atomic energy um, and so there's a bit of irony there and that's kind of fun but what happens is but we, when,
0: when we see outside di- like there's this opening f- a uh, really bad CGI establishing shot of Dinatron City, but as soon as we leave the city, it's a wasteland. Mm-hmm. Everything is just barren and disgusting. It's this
1: it, it, it's like we're part of this propaganda machine. Like this oh. is actually like the show exists to sell you on how everything's fine. everything's mm-hmm. fine now. Nothing's nothing's wrong. Yes, everyone
0: else is dead, but so we're it's, cool. It's propaganda satire. Uh, the, the entire series is propaganda satire.
1: Dinatron City was created and designed by Dr. Mayhem, which probably should have clued the people who built Dinatron City into that there might be a problem.
0: And he's got a big head and evil eyes. Yeah. And he made a robot, but he can't get it to work.
1: Well, he made a robot, but then a monkey d- uh, dropped mutagen on it, and now it's some kind of different robot, and that pisses him off. <laughs> uh, Dr. Mayhem is trying to conquer Dinatron City for reasons... No, he's because he's a Randian. Oh, he,
0: he created the city and he believes it should be his. Well, okay, I guess that's
1: I yes. guess that's fair. <laughs> um, he created the city, believes it should be his. His first plan was to scare everyone out of the city mm. with the the Coca Cola that mutates you, mm. which I'm not sure was ever a good plan because just don't drink that soda. Yeah, he didn't uh. expect
0: it to be a huge hit, but he he. So people just sort of embraced this weird mu- like the yeah. the propaganda machine was stronger than the villain. <laughs> there you go.
1: Basically. So that's that's what's going on there. The plot kicks in when our heroes uh show up. Uh Brett to- aka Jet Headstrong has just delivered the last batch of protocola and the, he oh, wants his money.
0: The design of all of the trucks and all the buildings everything is very art deco, which makes me believe this is an alternate version of the 1950s. Oh, I'm sure it is.
1: Yeah. I'm sure it is. Um so uh, they run into they they go to the building. Mm-hmm. Uh, they run into their friend uh, Mary Middlefield, who will eventually become Ms. Megawatt. Uh, who when she's Ms. Megawatt has this sort of electric voice, mm. but she also has an electric like meh. This electric voice when she's not Miss Megawatt—it's a little odd. It feels like someone screwed up and didn't realize they shouldn't have put that electric twang on Whoopi Goldberg. I, I'm early. guessing that
0: was that was the case. These it's things in, happen. The, these animated specials, even the big ones that they were putting a lot of money behind, were produced in quite a hurry, and there yes. there are errors a lot. What a, can I share with you? One of my favorite errors—it yes. was in the Legend of Zelda show. Okay, uh, which by the way is garbage. Oh, it's worse. It's, it's, it's terrible. So so bad.
1: It's it's. But, I wanted to love it so much. I convinced myself if it was good for years. It is not. It is terrible. There
0: was a scene where uh, Link and Zelda were trekking through a a tunnel at some point and uh, she said, are you ready to go? And he says, yes, I'm ready to go. And she says, good, come on. But evidently, the notes were mixed up on the way to rough draft in Korea and they animated the wrong character. So Uh... we saw uh, Zelda say, you're ready to go and Link, it's a close up of Link. He says, yes, I'm ready to go. And then Link hunches over and he says in her voice, good, come on. (laughs) That is a really strange error.
1: (laughs) So they go to Dr. Mayhem uh, to get their money back. Mary works for the electric company. Uh And Dr. Mayhem can't afford the nuclear power, so he's got to use electricity, old-fashioned electricity, to fuel his robot army. Uh And Mary shows up from the electric company saying, yeah, from the electric company, someone here is using electricity? It's really weird. (laughs) So they had me come check it out. Why would anyone use the product we sell? It's stupid. I love it when Wendy, who will become Buzzsaw Girl, meets Mary, because her first line of dialogue, it plays like this. Uh, Brett, this is Mary. She works for the electric company.
0: Mm. And you're just sort of like, ah.
1: And that that does it for you, huh? Okay, that's great.
0: Every, everything does it for Buzzsaw Girl. She's... she's- Like a character out of a dirty shame. She's just constantly orgasming. Brett, It's great. It's great. I think it's a great character choice. Brett talks to Dr. Mayhem. Dr. Mayhem says, get lost, sucker.
1: And I am a doctor. He just likes to like yell things. He's like an early version of Zim. He's like a little (laughs) self-aware of this evil. Uh Um, So uh, they decide to break into his building and physically assault him until he gives them money. That's
0: the plan. Uh, yeah, and, and Buzzsaw Girl is really eager to do so. They're all really happy to commit violence. There's this weird undercurrent of, of extreme violence in this, which sadly they don't really, you know, they can't fulfill on because it's a Saturday morning cartoon. Right. But, yeah, that, that it's really kind of eager to get to the violence kind mm-hmm. of it panders to the little kids who are watching, well, I think like very a, deliberately I think
1: there if there is a message in this pilot episode, and boy, is that a big if it's mm. that that's not necessarily a good thing. Mm. They're not portrayed as smart characters like Wendy says, I'm going to go through this fence like a buzz saw and she While has holding a saw a like so not you, like a buzz saw with a with buzzsaw. Your buzz saw. yeah, well, there's and later on she has a line, uh where was it? Here we go mm. um. Looking at my lines
0: of dialogue. It's okay. Nobody's
1: listening. Here's Buzz Girl. Uh. Here's Buzz Saw Girl.
0: Ugh. Thinking is boring.
1: Let's just smash down the factory, blow up everything in sight, and pound Mayhem's head into a shattered bag of skull fragments. What do you think?
0: <laughs> the Defenders. You, 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 you weren't of Dinotron City. You weren't quite, uh, quite selling the, the sexual nature of the, the line. Around. I don't know yeah. if any human being can. Well, and that, that of course, is you know probably another satire of the way female characters are so often sexualized in superhero comics. You know, they're always wearing the tight outfits. They're always... Very buxom and very comely, and so now she's just sort of catering to that, but with a violent edge. It's really weird. So
1: they so they break in, they find the robot army, they find out Dr. Mayhem's going to kill everybody, and weirdly enough, their first instinct is to be very responsible. We've mm. got to stop him! It's our duty as citizens! We'll inform the proper authorities! Which sounds more mm. like a The Tick joke yeah, yeah. than anything else. Um, Dr. Mayhem finds them, mm. throws them in a big vat. And uh, Monkey Kid, who is Dr. Mayhem's Monkey Kid, Dr. That's May- his backstory. Dr.
0: Mayhem made a, made a monkey. And uh, the joke about that is, oh, hey, he took a monkey and made him more intelligent, like a man. And the monkey says, I think he kind of downgraded me and made me more like a human. Yeah. That's kind of cute. They're all tied up in this big vat. They're chained down. Even, the- even a toolbox is
1: chained, <laughs> chained down. the Girl's like, <laughs> they like- even chained up my toolbox. Only <laughs> well, like, just pick up a tool. It's like
0: the hammer in Freaked. You know, it has a whole backstory. I
1: <laughs> if you haven't seen Freaked? Freaked is one of the funniest movies ever made. Oh, yes, it is. It is about a a. Asshole Teen Icon, played by Alex Winter, a.k.a. Uh, Bill from Bill, Bill and Ted, and,
0: and, uh, and who, he who, who wrote, wrote and directed this as well, and like a genius. Uh, and he goes down to a weird—it's a thir- third-world country called Santa Flan, yes. Where he drives off the road and finds a freak show run yeah. by Randy Quaid.
1: And Randy Quaid turns him into a mutant, just like he has turned everyone else into a mutant. Mm-hmm. He has turned Mister. Show. He turned Mister. T into a bearded lady. He turned Bobcat Goldthwaite into a sock puppet head, mm-hmm. and he turned a hammer into into a wrench or vice or, versa. It was a
0: wrench into a hammer. Apologies.
1: And when the the hammer tells its sad story of woe, mm-hmm. and the sad story of woe is just
0: well, the, Randy Quaid. All of the characters are telling their sad stories of woe and he pan over to them and they're in their kind of freaky makeup and they say, and, and here's my backstory and I wandered in here and he turned me into a worm. Isn't that terrible? And then we cut to uh, Mr. T. He tells his story and then they just pan over to a hammer on the ground and we see Randy Quaid buying a wrench at the store and then we cut back to the hammer <laughs> and, and everybody's crying. <laughs>
1: like, damn, that's a funny movie it,
0: that's, Gosh, it's so hilarious
1: So mm. the monkey escapes, he's going to rescue everybody But he slips on a banana peel Not his own banana peel, that would have been stereotyping It's actually Dr. Mayhem's banana peel mm. And he accidentally floods the vat with Proto-Cola Several minutes after they've drowned <laughs> he looks at, at Dinatron City, sees oh. that Doctor Mam is taking over. Says, "Oh shit! I should make some superheroes." So he electrifies the water, and only then do they emerge uh-huh. as superheroes.
0: Well, it, it's it's not quite as long as that, but he, he's a little slow on the uptake. But yeah, they they emerge from the Protocola mm-hmm. soda soda pop. Yeah, little little skewering of consumer culture. And uh, they're fully formed. Very little. They, they have names and costumes already.
1: Okay, you're a superpower. You can turn into a t-shirt. What's your name?
0: <laughs> uh, T-Man. Nice. How about just the killer T? No, you already got it. t T-Man. Uh, you have three seconds. T-Man. That's the rule. You got three seconds. Duh. No, I, that was within three seconds. Nah. I changed All your fingers are thumbtacks. Too late. You th- thumb- have no name. Thumbscrew. Ah, oh, crap. Okay. Great. <laughs> You're made of glass. Mr. Glass. Taken. Oh, it's taken. Uh, shatter. Ooh. Just the shatter. Sh- just shatter. Shatter.
1: Yeah. That actually sounds kind of badass. <laughs> sh-
0: I like it. Shurube. I'm you have shatter. five times as
1: many teeth as a normal human being and can bite through anybody. <laughs> bite mark
0: ooh, no, I, I can do this all day. Yes, you can. <laughs> and none of them will be good ideas. No, they will not. So yeah, not. They, they emerge fully formed. They they have names already. And Oh, they
1: forgot the dog. They have a dog oh, named and they, Radium Dog. Then they have a dog. Who can they blow name. things up with his mind, which I'm not sure I want a, a power I want a dog w- to have.
0: Radium Dog also has, like, a gigantic floating atom above his head, which can, like, separate from his body and fly around and cause mayhem.
1: And uh, the toolbox is now a... Super robot with a hammer for a head Mm. Who can turn his arms into stuff he invents
0: Yeah and yeah. he's called Toolbox. And he announces it very demonstratively every time he does. This yeah. looks like a job for my unbreakable lasso arm.
1: So, meanwhile, Dr. Mayhem has conquered Dinatron City very quickly and effectively, to his credit. Mm. And the yeah, defend well,
0: marches in with his electric robot army, and they they pretty much just take over. Everybody freaks out.
1: When I started Ban, I wanted it to be William Bibiani and his electric robot army. <laughs> I think it's pretty good. The Defenders of Dinatron City show up, mm. and... Uh, Brett Headstrong yells, Better order a padded seat for your throne, Mayhem, because we're about to turn your rule into drool, which I don't get. I, I
0: don't understand that either.
1: I thought maybe they were get, like going with a padded cell joke, but it doesn't really mm.
0: follow. Or, or is, is there a toilet thing going on there? There might be there? some sort of toilet thing. It's probably not it's a, not a really toilet It's not really a padded joke. toilet. No. Though. Who has a padded toilet? Some people have padded toilets. For their tushy. Yeah, haven't you ever sat on a padded toilet seat? It's really disturbing. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't want to clean that. That sounds terrible. Uh, so they so they
1: fight all the robots and they get to have fun and blow up a bunch of robots. Toolbox gets to yell things like, "This calls for my patented robot reprogramming dance inducer," mm-hmm. which makes
0: all the robots dance with each other. Yep, he like shoots a laser at them and they all dance. Why would you make the, an, the army- an? The animation on all of this, by the way, is actually pretty good for Saturday morning. It's okay. We, we, we want it's like it's it's a little bit above Bucky O'Hare and the Toad Wars. Um, mm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's not great, though. It's never great, but it's perfect it's for the era.
0: And because of the uh, the era, it was made. The actors weren't all in the same room. They didn't record like that yet. Uh, certain shows, like when the Cartoon Network launched, started recording all of the actors in the same room, which mm. meant the banter was a lot quicker. And yeah. this one is really... The voice editing is really awkwardly edited together, so the scenes don't necessarily play out in a really natural way. It feels Which I think adds to kind of the fun artificiality of the entire premise of the show, but it, it might sound weird to modern no, audiences. No, it, it sounds
1: super weird. It yeah. sounds like you're watching, like, an Ed Wood movie, almost, just in terms mm-hmm. of everyone's delivering their lines, but basically whenever they feel like it, however they feel like it.
0: Yeah, they're, uh, they're not playing out the scene. They're just, like, they probably... It sounds like they weren't made privy to the other dialogue in the scene. and They weren't listening to the other dialogue in the scene. Like,
1: like Whoopi Goldberg is actually playing it relatively straight, Mm. whereas uh, all the the actors who played every other character are really overdoing
0: it. Well, I mean, they're animation actors. They're they're used to doing...
1: Big voices. Well, Whoopi Goldberg is a comedian. She could have Mm. played big if they wanted her to. It's like they told her, no, you're
0: Whoopi Goldberg. Mm. Tone it down. Play Whoopi Whoopi Goldberg. Um, And they make short work of the robot army. Uh, Dr. Mayhem goes to lick his wounds. Uh, Monkey Kid is a little bit upset that they didn't have a plan going in.
1: Yeah, that's his whole Mm -hmm. thing. He wants to have plans. They just want to beat stuff up. Yeah. Dr. Mayhem discovers that the thing that he thought was broken, this giant robot head, Mm -hmm. actually he just forgot to turn it on.
0: (laughs) There's an on switch and he forgot it.
1: Yeah. So it turns on. It's played by Tim Curry. And it has the power to shoot things and turn them into things.
0: Uh, It has sort of like a mutation laser. It can shoot an inanimate object and turn it into a living thing.
1: So it's like the AllSpark from the first Transformers movie. Just shoot a Mm. Mountain Dew machine and it becomes a killer Mountain Dew machine. Yeah, pretty much.
0: Um, Mayhem turns the tide and actually like, stops the defenders of dinatron city puts them in cages he knows how to defeat them because it's kind of easy to defeat the people with these kinds of powers they're not great powers it's like oh look i'm a buzzsaw girl i can zip around on a buzzsaw what if i put a clamp on your buzzsaw oh crap a boot my one weakness <laughs>
1: uh what like, oh, I, can I'm shoot, I can shoot my head off of my body what if i put your your head in a net well then i'm useless
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty much
1: uh, so they're uh, all captured.
0: I, I do love how it highlights what lame heroes they kind of are. They're super lame yeah.
1: heroes. They really, really are. But that's that's half the fun.
0: The, 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 no, that's that's the yeah. selling point.
1: Uh so after shouting down Monkey Kid because all they wanted to do was punch things and now mm-hmm. they're gonna die, they start begging Monkey Kid to come up with a plan. Just mm-hmm. please, Monkey Kid, please tell us your plan. <laughs> and uh they escape, they mm-hmm. do a little bit of teamwork. This was a thing that happened in almost every superhero show I've ever seen. And, which and, is and movie too and comics where, where. it's basically or, both the Fantastic 4 live action movies mm. from Fox mm. ended this way oh we're we're when we're separate we're okay, but when we work together... We're even better. We're good at stuff. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, that was trite when the Defenders of Dinatron City did it. I'm not impressed by your version, Josh
0: Trank. Well, pe- people liked it when the Avengers did it, but there you go. It wasn't... There was a little bit more going on in that one, at the very least. Not, it was, much more. not much Not much, but it it's, wasn't it's, basically just... It's, it's deep on a first grade level. The really... characters
1: had to overcome personal shit as yeah. well. Okay. It wasn't just, oh, and our powers go well together. Like, it was a little right, bit more. Right. But yeah, it's still fun. Fortunately, it's basically the mm. same. I'll give you that. I just think it's handled more deftly. <laughs> um, they work together. Mm. They fight the robots. And then at the end, uh, when everything's done good, they decide to make Monkey Kid their leader. Yep. Uh, and Whoopi Goldberg gets to say the immortal line, Hey, let's make the Defenders of Dinatron City a permanent team with a headquarters and cool vehicles and official Dakota rings and fan clubs and everything. Mm. And Brett Headstrong he says, Now that's my kind of sellout. Uh-oh. And uh, Doctor Mayhem so, is fine. That's it. The end. And,
0: and well, and, and indeed, at the very end, he he escapes with the robot head, and the robot head like shoots some fish. I think in the last uh, scene, a rat or?
1: and a bug. They're in the sewers. That's and right. Making yeah, that's monsters out of the sewers. And they're,
0: they're making monsters. So he'll be back.
1: Yeah. Well, he won't actually because that was the
0: end of the Defenders of <laughs> yeah, City. Yeah. Wasn't uh, picked up for series. Who's to say why? It's it's uh, a lot more lively than a lot of the stuff at the time. It does fall in line with sort of the. Uh, snarky self-awareness that was going on in the early 90s. There was a lot of stuff
1: kind of like this that Mm. was doing okay. Maybe Mm. it wasn't quite genuine enough for a superhero show. Maybe kids wanted more action Mm. from their superhero show. Like, even like, yeah, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were pretty deft, but Mm. they took the fighting yeah. Kind of seriously. Then this a f- was all irreverent all the time, uh, and maybe that was too year, much.
0: A few years later, we had stuff like The Tick and Earthworm Jim and Freakazoid that mm-hmm. was doing that with Superheroes. So maybe this was just uh, like two or three years ahead of its time, But to say. Who,
1: remember, uh-huh. Earthworm Jim was not a huge success as a cartoon, and even Freakazoid was can't I think it lasted more than one season. It, less was it two seasons, It's still yeah. pretty small for, a, for what yeah, we same
0: would, with Same with The Tick. That was two years.
1: Yeah, exactly. These were not hit shows. They were beloved shows, and mm-hmm. people liked them.
0: I guess they're cult shows more than anything. Yeah. Kids, love
1: them (laughs) kids have a thing and i'm not gonna say kids didn't get these shows because i loved the tick at the time a lot Mm -hmm. of people did um but i think kids key into sincerity Mm. very directly in a way that adults don't. And I think it's easier for adults to enjoy like a Saturday morning cartoon show if there's an irreverence to it. Mm. And I think it's easier for a kid to appreciate a cartoon show that is 100% serious about its stupid bullshit than it is for an adult to. And I think Defenders of Dinatron City might have been taking too much piss out of the thing that kids genuinely liked right now and didn't want to see subverted.
0: I I might have told this story on the uh, the podcast before, so I apologize if I'm repeating myself. But uh, I worked at a Blockbuster video and I got to talk to uh, one of the makers of of, um, I, I think it was it was uh, Earthworm Jam. Yeah. And uh, they said that... Oh, no, it was Freakazoid, excuse me. Okay. It was one of the makers of Freakazoid. I think they were wearing, like, a Freakazoid jacket. It's ah. like, hey, I love that show. Yeah, too bad it was canceled. And it, it was a... This happened a lot with a lot of uh, Saturday morning cartoons. It was being made by people who were just kind of having fun and trying to key into just sort of success from previous shows. In the case of Freakazoid, they were writing the coattails of stuff like Tiny Toons and Animaniacs Mm -hmm. into sort of this new extreme that they were experimenting with. And they said that it was a big, big hit with college kids. Yeah. Like college kids were getting up early and watching this, but... College kids aren't watching the ads on a Saturday morning cartoon and running out and buying, you know, Cap and Crunch and Transformers toys. Yeah. They're going out and buying weed and ramen. So they couldn't they could show this on Saturday morning cartoons and it was reaching a big audience, but it wasn't translating into revenue dollars because they were getting the audience they weren't advertising to. Yeah. And they couldn't start advertising to college kids because kids were also watching at that time. So it was a matter of just not finding a good venue for that sort of thing. Right. Now, Since then, stuff like Adult Swim has popped up, and you could probably put it on there right now, and it would do gangbusters.
1: But these kinds of things still happen, and in Mm -hmm. fact, a lot of really, really great kids' shows that are very acclaimed Mm -hmm. and and are excellent um, fail because they're not hitting the right market or they're not selling enough toys. One good example, Mm -hmm. which uh, there was some debate on whether or not it was one season that was cut in half or two seasons, but it looks like it's one, and we're going to do it at one point, Mm -hmm. is Green Lantern, the animated series. Okay. Um which was very smartly written mm. It was
0: from the Bruce Tim crowd. Yeah? Uh, it
1: was that crowd? I don't right. it wasn't Bruce Tim I think, but it it had that vibe. Mm. And uh it was really really great. Everyone who saw it really really liked it mm. and it was not selling toys. The movie probably ruined that. It made it not cool for, the, the, like, Green Lantern. Mm. But, like, the toys just weren't moving off the shelves. So why keep making the show if mm. the show only exists to Advertise build the brand? toys, yeah. Well, at least build the brand and the yeah, brand and, wasn't building.
0: And, and I love, well, and I think one of the reasons the Defenders of Dinatron City didn't work was probably that line about that's my kind of sellout. Because mm-hmm. this was clearly trying to be a big brand that was at satirizing big brands. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, we'll become our own toys. And that was a big thing at the time, where superheroes would comment on their own toys and their yeah, own marketing. To a degree. We talked about that in the, that uh, failed Wonder Woman pilot. Even It was, oh, yeah. it with, was going on even as late Adrian as... Yeah, yeah, it was going on as late as 2011, whenever that one Around was. There, yeah. So uh, th- this notion of the superhero being really, really aware of their own brand was creeping into the discourse as early as the early 90s. Yeah. And I, I remember reading a comic book by Evan Dorkin called Fight Man, which was all about that, about how mm. Fight Man was one of thousands of superheroes in this universe. And his, he wanted to get a toy to sort of validate himself, and he was drawing toys, and he just couldn't get a toy deal. There's
1: a great movie called uh, The Specials, uh, mm. which was written by James Gunn, co-starred James Gunn, also mm. had Rob Lowe in it, mm. and Judy Greer, and... Um, it was about so like it's a the, pretty good movie. It's a funny yeah. movie. It came out around the same time as like Mystery Men and a couple other superhero comedies, so it mm. kind of got swept under the rug. It was also
0: a really like small, really super it was low a little, budget, little indie movie, super yeah. low
1: budget. Uh, it was all about like the seventh or eighth greatest superhero team in the world on their day off, <laughs> and the big thing that's happening them to them is this tonight they're finally going to get their own action figures, mm. and for superheroes in this movie, that's like winning an Oscar. That's the highest award you can get. (laughs) basically you get your own action figures Mm. and they're all super excited and they're going to go to this thing but there's infighting people are going to leave the team and join another super team people are falling in and out of love it's really funny it's a funny funny film Mm. but it's 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 largely a commentary mm. uh, uh, about
0: that well and and that's also something that was in mystery men Uh, captain amazing had all of the endorsements he had those logos all (laughs) over his his costume yeah he's like what happened to your pepsi endorsement i I hadn't heard that and he was like this is a problem i've lost my pepsi endorsement i can't be a superhero anymore. It's funny, Mystery it's, Men
1: played that for a joke, mm-hmm. and then the Fantastic Four sequel mm-hmm. played that totally straight when Johnny Storm had all it's, that stuff on his suit, and it yeah. was just product placement mm-hmm. to the extent that even the Fantastic had like a Dodge logo on it, and you're just like, fuck off, fuck, <laughs> fuck all the way well, off. And, and
0: here's the weird thing superheroes began when they got taken seriously and were taken over by gigantic corporate entities like Disney, yeah. and they're being put out completely earnestly with all of these, you know, sort of big products in it. No nobody minds anymore. It's like people were longing for something that we were railing against in the 1990s. Mm. It's like we don't want the superheroes to sell out and just be toys and just be well, sort of plastic products. Now they are and we don't mind. Well, We've we bought into that whole thing. There was this fantasy That'll,
1: that superheroes would like, have dignity and mm, be above that. And mm, mm, now we realize that they would be celebrities and they would not be
0: above mm, that. And Batman would have a bat credit card. Batman and Robin was ahead of his time. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm not just talking about in the movies. I'm talking about in real life. People are getting upset that their demographic isn't being... Being catered to by the gigantic corporate monolith. Mm. It's like I, 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 I was on the uh, Legion of Leia podcast, and there was this whole movement that Jenna Bush started. Uh, hashtag Where's Ray? Mm. Because the character of we- Ray was left out of uh, certain Star Wars tie-in products, like the Star Wars Monopoly board. Yeah, you want to be exploited by the machine now? You can't want- just sort of make your. Own, you can't just get.
1: That's and, a cynical do, way of looking at it.
0: Absolutely it is. But I think there's and also, you want,
1: you want to be represented in the media. And so if all of you the want representations to be represented in the media, don't ignore you, then that, that but sucks. But I mean, how,
0: how is Star Wars Monopoly representation? It's not. It's just a tie-in product. Fuck Star Wars Monopoly. Who
1: cares? Uh, when, here's the thing. Kids <laughs> yeah. play with toys. Yeah. Kids play with Monopoly. Kids mm-hmm. play with action figures. Mm-hmm. And if all of the action figures are of white dudes... Yeah. Or in the case of uh, Force Awakens, admittedly a black dude, but no women, even though the protagonist of the film is a woman. Mm. That's bullshit. That would be like if you made a Spider-Man movie and there are all these action figures, well, just but don't, there was no Spider-Man. Just
0: don't that's buy, what it is. Here's the here's the answer. Don't buy any Star Wars toys. Get different toys. I agree with you. <laughs> don't buy licensed merchandise. The that's, children, that's, that's, that's this horrible thing that they've exploited you on and you okay toys, with it. Yeah. Children's
1: toys and children's media, but yeah, especially yeah. children's toys are very divided amongst perceived gender lines in which there are girls Absolute, toy yeah, sections at the are. toy store and there are boys toys mm. and the the idea which i don't think is true and i don't think it's ever been true is that you don't want to have any girl stuff mm. In the boys' section or any boy stuff in the girls' section, Mm -hmm. that those are separate. That we are using childhood and, indeed, Mm -hmm. childhood capitalist marketing in order to enforce very rigid gender identities. Mm -hmm. We're moving past that as a culture. But the whole idea of the stuff kids play with as kids, Mm -hmm. and they're going to play with something, is is used... Hold on. I'm just saying, it's, 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 it's time to change that, and we have to be vocal and say we want... Action toys for girls, especially Mm. when the protagonist of the
0: movie that you're making action toys about Mm. is a girl. It's just bullshit. It's a pity that there's an economic angle to all of this and that it has to sell and that every time you play with this toy, you're agreeing to be part of this big economic uh, contract. Every time you have pleasant feelings about feminism, it's owned by a gigantic okay. company. Yes, and maybe, I but th- that's
1: just society. I mean, we're not they're not all wooden toys made by elves in a shop. No, it's not seen, just like here's a wooden train that's gender neutral, right? You, have like, you
0: seen Melissa and Doug? It's a big hit right now. I got a young kid. I'm seeing the sort of gender neutral toys out there and they're great. Yeah. And it, doesn't, okay. and it doesn't all have to be owned by Disney and you don't have to get Star Wars toys to enjoy the movie or be inspired by the character. So there is The toy not. is something else outside of that and we don't need to start tying in our identity to the stuff we buy that the corporation's putting out, I, man. I agree <laughs> with that and I think we spend way too <laughs> and, much time like
1: uh, assigning, this is one of the reasons why when you criticize something like Star Wars uh, or the DC Extended Universe movies, people don't just go, oh, I disagree with that and move uh-huh. on. They get offended is because they've tied their identity and mm. to the art they consume, the mm. characters that they like, and the representation of those characters across multiple different platforms matters to them. Yeah, but so I uh, think there's more to it than I would that. Say, I think you're uh, being a little obtuse. I, I'm,
0: I'm not being obtuse. I'm just being. I'm just railing against something that a lot of people have just really, just sort of naturally accepted now. Uh-huh. And I'm railing against something that was happening during my childhood, mm-hmm. uh, the, when sort of the corporations took over entertainment, mm-hmm. and you couldn't just have a show. You had to have a show and a toy and a video game and, you know, T-shirts and underwears. It all had to be this gigantic media blitz to ensure that this thing is always in your eyes. And that started with stuff like Masters of the Universe and Transformers mm. and the stuff I grew up with. Sure. And it made for bad art and it made for this sort of erosion of creativity where we're focusing more on how bankable something is and how easily it can be ported over okay. and seriously limiting what you can do I'm gonna, with the art.
1: I'm going to stop you right there mm-hmm. because I saw cartoons before this Reaganomics era in mm-hmm. which cartoons were used to sell toys. Those cartoons sucked too. You're
0: right. That was also shit.
1: <laughs> okay. We've always pandered mm-hmm. to
0: children. Yeah, And, and, I, and I just, that is I a bigger just, problem I than anything else. Y- I'm not comfortable, because I'm a child of the 90s and have that kind of grungy apathy just part, sort of written as part of my soul, uh, I'm not comfortable with that corporatization. And I liked in the early 1990s when we were starting to recognize what was going on and it was making its way into the entertainment. Mm. I think The Simpsons had a lot to do with that. Mm. It was an animated sitcom and, you know, s- cartoons, stuff for kids, stuff, you know, the, the means by which we sell things to children is now being a kind of cynical and sh- sort of showing the warts of the American sitcom. And this mm-hmm. is kind of a dysfunctional family. And the, the dad is dis, disaffectual and is ineffectual. And yeah. the mom is just sort of this wilting flower. And the kid is a troublemaker now. Um, and I think and we the started...
1: smart kid is being ignored.
0: Yeah. And the smart kid is middle child is just, nobody listens to the smart child Yeah, and the baby's just a baby. <laughs> well, yeah. So, uh, uh, when when that sort of can of worms was cracked open with the simpsons all of a sudden we could use our entertainment to kind of address the way animation had previously been used and i feel like we've kind of come full circle we're back to where the 80s were and we're using the cartoons now to sell brands and franchises uh, rather than using that medium to analyze and undo what the what they are in themselves everything I've, was kind of a parody of itself and i appreciated that. and i think and i think the defenders of dinatron city especially with that one line, that's my kind of sellout mm-hmm. is it's kind of underneath all of that because it's kind of silly in stream of consciousness and taking the piss from the superhero I think, tropes of the time. I'm, I'm going to say two things.
1: Uh, one, I think you're selling short a lot of animated shows that are out today that are doing all of this mm-hmm. stuff and that maybe you're not aware of or watching mm-hmm. stuff like star in the forces of evil mm-hmm. or Steven universe, which do indeed have tie in products, but mm-hmm. are very aware Okay. Of their place in this firmament and how they are subverting the uh, the, the okay. medium, I think there's be- there's better mm-hmm. stuff out there than you're giving credit. Two, you would totally buy defenders of Dinatron City toys if they made them.
0: Maybe, but not today. But as as you know, as a fourteen year old, yeah, I might yeah, have.
1: Yeah, okay, I'm just saying. But it been
0: cool. But I would have bought them ironically. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fuck you, 1990s. <laughs>
0: If, yeah, everything was ironic in the '90s, and I grew up during that era, so it's mm. what I'm comfortable with. So what when would, I when I see something like Tiny Toon Adventures, where they're reading the script for their own show on camera, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, this this makes total sense now.
1: We're gonna do something a little different. Normally, mm. uh, we look at what would happen if the show lasted 100 episodes.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: that's our speculation. That's what we would like to have seen. What we, or maybe cynically, what we assumed we would see. Mm. In the case of, of The Vendors of Dynaton City, I want to suggest something a little different. Mm. Uh, the first hundred episodes are going to be pretty straightforward superhero comedy stuff. I mm. want you to tell me oh. what would happen after a hundred episodes when they start panicking, the brand starts losing steam, and they start making radical changes to the show yeah. in order to keep it fresh.
0: Uh, well, they'd have to sort of fall back on the usual like usual drama. And they'd have to start like giving big changes to characters, they'd have to change their outfits, mm-hmm. they'd have to change their backstories, they'd have to give something serious which does not fit this universe at all. Mm -hmm. Like, Jet Headstrong's mom dies in front of him. (laughs) And he begins to call into doubt whether or not he's going to be a superhero. See, I don't buy that at all.
1: I think think the route they would have gone is, you know, the problem with these heroes are is that they're not little kids. Little kids only like watching stuff about little kids, even though all the popular kid stuff disproves that. Uh, So (laughs) what we're going to do is we're going to give them kid sidekicks who probably live at an orphanage and hmm. they look up to them and they solve all the crimes without the defenders right. of Dinatron City to show kid power,
0: kid power, I think kid power, if raise if your fists, same. kid power. Kid, Chris, kids rule. Um, <laughs> I'm guessing that had this gone beyond pilot, it still would not have gone 100 episodes. So even though I think it was canceled too soon, <laughs> it still would still be canceled too soon, even if it had lasted, because it I think something like Freakazoid, like in the second season they would have started getting mandates from the studio from Fox yeah. and they're like you gotta do a little bit well, straighter but they still would have like they're still married to this weird concept Yeah. so they would have had to introduce something like and here's the monster maker and we have to mm-hmm. fight the monster that comes out of it every week so it's a little bit more you can wrap your head around it a little bit better well
1: we've all heard the and, tales about like what happened to like the Ghostbusters the real Ghostbusters mm-hmm. and how after a couple of successful seasons the network's was like oh shit well we'd better if this was successful it's, it's we'd not, better control
0: it well it's not it wasn't as successful as they liked and they were no no it was
1: to- that's the thing it was more yeah. successful than they ever anticipated and oh, yeah. now it's becoming this thing that people are looking at the network and judging it by mm-hmm. so now we better make sure that we pull the reins in mm-hmm. and they started making absurd changes like Janine's glasses they were pointy oh. they were like triangle glasses and they're actually internal documents you can read that was just like kids are afraid of sharp objects make them circles Janine right, is too yeah. interesting a character she's got to be their mom No one can ever say anything bad about Slimer ever again. Mm. They've got to just love Slimer, and Slimer's got to be in every episode and save the day. Mm. Winston has got to be the driver of the car. Oh, God. These are actual notes. <laughs>
0: Winston has to drive. Winston is because now the driver. We're, because we're racist.
1: Basically. Um, like, it makes yeah, no yeah. sense. We, so these that, weird studio notes would filter into any popular show so and season, would usually
0: kill them. By, like, at the beginning of season two of The Defenders of Dinatron City. Yeah that's when they would have made those changes. But like, I would like... As, as early as that, like a, episode 14 was when mm-hmm. those those changes would have started. It would have changed looks. The voice cast would have left. It would have changed voices a little bit.
1: Yeah. I would like uh, to Buzz, think that... The...
0: Buzzsaw girl, her blade isn't sharp, maybe. She turns yeah. into a tire girl. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I
1: think I, what I would like to think, however, mm-hmm. is that the creators of the show would stick around long enough to at least comment on that. Yeah. And that would be the gag, is that mm-hmm. all of a sudden, everything is changing around us, and it's lame. And we well, don't it, like it anymore. <laughs> what,
0: what they would have done is they would have added dialogue to the tune of what they did in 21 Jump Street. It's like, and oh, well, it uh, oh, no, my, my buzzsaw turned into a tire. Well, it's a good thing because we got those notes from the toy manufacturers that you were cutting off kids' fingers. So now we can do tire girl exactly. toys and those are safer. Um, you've already uh, mm-hmm. given us your verdict. You say that Defenders of Dinatron City was canceled too soon. I think so. I th- I would have liked to see a little bit more of this. It's weird enough.
1: And uh, I would, too. This mm-hmm. was a cute little show. It uh, had a decent sense of humor um it's again it's kids stuff it's not quite witty enough i think to cross over to an adult but Mm -hmm. if you like stuff like the tick or freakazoid Mm -hmm. especially since there's only one episode it's worth tracking down finding online it's it's on
0: youtube you can watch it
1: you know put get put some goobers in a bowl and eat some spaghettios with them and just (laughs) and like maybe that weird milk orange juice concoction you did as a kid that you're kind of ashamed of now it would probably taste terrible
0: slow down who, who's this wee stuff, white man? You mixed your milk and <laughs> your orange juice? That's weird, kid.
1: <laughs> I didn't, but I heard stories. Although uh, I, I used to eat top ramen, like Oriental flavored ramen. That's uh, that's what it was. The flavor was Oriental, which is always Oriental a flavor. Off. Yeah, like, I don't know what it is. Just soy, but like
0: it's, it's just chicken stock. Really, I used to eat yeah. it with milk. It was delicious. Like you you pour hot milk? No, over? I would
1: have. That would be my side thing, and I thought they combined real well in my mouth. I would put the the ramen in my mouth oh, and then yeah. have the milk as well and switch. Oh, you just drink
0: it with milk. Yeah, oh, well, that's not. F- that's not so strange. That's not so strange. I thought that yeah. was weird. If you poured cold milk over your like that brick of ramen, that would be a little strange. That would
1: be weird. Yeah, I'll give you that, but I didn't do. I, that.
0: I did pour milk into my spaghettios to cool them off. That's yeah. weird. Okay, that's a little weird. That's super weird. <laughs> that's not cool at all. You did a wrong thing. You did Ended. something bad. No, I'm, I'm trying to, I, I ate a lot of peanut butter when I was a kid. Who didn't? Peanut butter and rice well, crackers. And
1: peanuts, but everyone else. Peanut
0: butter crackers. That was, yeah. that was my go-to. It's still my go-to. To you, ever, you ever lick a battery? Oh yeah, the top of a nine volt? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, who hasn't done that? We do not encourage that. That might
1: explain our taste in movies and TV. I don't
0: have to encourage that because kids are going to figure that out. (laughs) You don't need my encouragement, kids. You already did it. Don't, 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 don't do that. (laughs) Don't, don't do this. We're trained professionals. Don't do it unless you really, really want to. (laughs) Don't do it at home, kids. Do, go over no. to a friend's house. We never said we're role models. <laughs> uh, so
1: that's it. That's it for the Defenders of Dynatron City. Uh, this was a fun one, again. Yeah. And I think you should seek it out if you have the opportunity and the time. Mm. Um, uh, do we have any letters?
0: Oh, yeah. Let me let me look them up. Why don't you All tell right. them how to become Patreon subscribers? Okay, so we have a up.
1: Patreon account, patreon.com slash canceled too soon mm-hmm. uh, You can contribute to the show on a, ver- a variety of different tiers, $5, $10, mm-hmm. $20. And you get different exclusive rewards for each uh, uh, tier you pick. So for $5 a month, you get the canceled Too Soon monthly movie, in which we review TV movies, TV specials, other sort of one-off television events that don't quite fit the mold of our show, but are spiritual cousins. (laughs) Uh, You also get to help us pick future episodes of the show. Every month, one episode of the show is curated by Patreon subscribers. Mm. We give you a couple of options, and then you all vote. Uh, this this month in August we are doing UPN Day <laughs> all of the options uh, were shows that were cancelled too soon on mm. UPN which was indeed most shows on UPN uh, <laughs> and uh, your options were Game Over which was an animated sitcom about video game characters who live together mm. Haunted which starred Matthew Fox from Lost as a private detective who could see ghosts. Although
0: at the time it was Matthew Fox from Party of
1: Five. Touche. Uh, there was Legend which was like Briscoe County Jr. but with Richard Dean Anderson and John Delancey from Q. It was a steampunk Western. Uh, And then lastly, there was Nowhere Man, which was basically the fugitive crossed with the prisoner. Yeah. Um, Very probably the UPN's most celebrated show. It did not win. Game over one. And we're going to be reviewing that later this month. But before that, we're going to be doing You Don't Know Jack which was a very short-lived television series based off of a popular computer game.
0: And it's also going to be our very first game show. We we haven't done any game shows yet, and uh, this is going to be it. Uh, It was hosted by Troy Stevens, who was played by Paul Rubens. (laughs) 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 And it it was meant to be... No, you should notice that all of the, the shows uh, from this month are all from like the early 90s when I was like watching the most yeah. television.
1: Whitney Whitney <coughs> picked pretty much but, every show this month.
0: Yeah, for, <laughs> thank you. For, well,
1: I picked every privilege. show in July. Yeah, you picked so. every show in August. That was our plan.
0: So yeah, uh, You Don't Know Jack was kind of at the end of the 90s, but the 90s were still hanging on. Yep. So uh, yeah, they, they took one of the 90s of all the 90s things, You Don't Know Jack, the CD-ROM video game, mm-hmm. turned it into a live action game show. That was a
1: great game, by the way. So it's, I'm actually looking forward to watching yeah, that. show. Yeah, it's terrific. The other thing that we got going on on Patreon right now and there's other tiers as well you Mm -hmm. can get exclusive video content a lot of our uh, movie reviews from the b movies podcast uh, we're gonna be doing them on patreon for a little bit until we find a new home for them Um, you also get exclusive t-shirts mugs google hangouts prizes Um, but this month we're also doing an additional cancel too soon monthly movie Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a crossover event with linoleum knife which also has a great patreon account full of exclusive stuff uh, on their Patreon, you can subscribe and get Linoleum Knife TV, LKTV. Mm-hmm. And uh, we teamed up to do crossover reviews of the two new Hallmark Christmas movies that debuted in July. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they, uh, This is something called the Hallmark Channel has done before. They mm-hmm. debut new Christmas content. And it's usually two new movies. One or two, yeah. Uh, in the month of July, because yes. it's Christmas in July. Yeah. And uh, we watched them both, but we didn't do them both on either show. We yeah. did one on one show. Uh, we are on their podcast talking about one, and they are on ours talking about another.
1: Yeah, so we talked about The Christmas mm. Cure mm. on their show. Mm. On Linoleum uh, Knife. And, and uh, we're talking about Home for Christmas Day on our show, the Cancel Too Soon monthly movie. If you want to listen to both, you got to subscribe to both, but you can also just listen to one. And then maybe if you haven't heard Linoleum Knife before, mm-hmm. uh, you'll appreciate how awesome Dave and Alonzo are, and you'll want to at least check out their weekly podcast, uh, which is for free, much mm. like Cancel Too Soon's regular podcast is and always will be free. Um, and it's great. Do you want to check that out? What letters do
0: Uh, we have? Here's a letter from R. Clay Johnson, uh, who is the host of Two Seasons or Less, if you recall. Oh, that's right. Hi. Podcast similar to ours. Uh, he says, first of all, I just want to say thank you for mentioning my podcast, Two Seasons or Less, the last time I wrote in. I found it oddly exhilarating to hear it mentioned on your podcast, although we don't, we won't reach nearly as many ears. I returned the favor as I was actually recording that night. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, you know what? Who cares how big the audience is? Well, we're all part of this this network, this community of podcasters. Yeah. Well, we'd and, like uh, to reach a big audience. Well, of yeah. course we would, but I'm just happy that he mentioned us. And, you know, nice. That we That we're, we're we can cross-pollinate no matter how big the audience is. We, very true. We're, we're fans of you and you're fans of us, and that's fine. Thank you. Um, I just listened to the Battlestar Galactica episode, Ooh. and I'm really glad you guys reviewed it. I tried watching the series myself a few years ago after watching the reboot. However, as you mentioned, the standalone episodes were rather tedious, and I never ended up finishing it. Uh, there are a couple of things I wanted to point out from your discussion. Bibbs, you were correct. Uh, Ray Bolger was originally cast as the Tin Man and Buddy Ebsen as the original Scarecrow Bolger was upset by what he viewed as being miscast and the studio eventually switched the roles leading to Ebsen's difficulties with the Tin Man makeup and eventually leaving the picture Not a piece of uh, trivia I knew I just knew Buddy Ebsen was the original Tin Man before they hired uh, Jack Haley Uh, The other thing I wanted to mention is you made allusions to the connection with Quantum Leap I was surprised you didn't mention the fact that Dean Stockwell from Quantum Leap eventually went on to play a character in the Battlestar reboot
1: You're absolutely right,
0: I forgot about that That's all I'm going to say about it as Whitney has not watched the Battlestar reboot and should. I saw the original movie. I saw like the the three hour pilot, Mm -hmm. but I didn't want, didn't, didn't interest me enough to end up watching the series. Uh, You should give it another try sometime. It really,
1: it it, it holds up. It gets really good. And unlike Mm -hmm. the original Battlestar, there Mm -hmm. aren't, there aren't any filler episodes. It's actually like pretty, pretty intense, really good. They're done in one episodes, but Mm -hmm. they don't feel like filler. Okay. They don't feel like they don't need to be there. Okay. Yeah.
0: Uh, I have to say I was really excited when I heard you were going to be reviewing The Flash 1990, Mm. as that's a show I remember watching and loving as a kid. In fact, it was my Halloween costume that year. (laughs) Uh, I'm planning to review it eventually on my own show, so I'll be interested to hear your take on it. Finally, I have a lot of suggestions for potential shows for you. But one that I just heard about that could be interesting if you can track out is Days Like These. It was the UK attempt at a remake of That 70s Show. Oh, but only yeah. only lasted 13 episodes yeah, and only 10 this. of them aired. From what I can tell, the existing episodes were literally just British versions of existing scripts, which could either be really interesting or really boring. I'm so used to the US doing UK shows that to see it from the other side would be really interesting. Thanks, guys. Enjoying the show.
1: That's fun. Mm-hmm. Check that out. Yeah, we're going to do The Flash. We're actually going to do a Justice League month mm-hmm. in November because a film called Justice League is coming out and we'll do a whole bunch of DC
0: superhero shows. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, here's a letter from Michael H. Okay. Uh, and it's this one's on Terrorvision.
1: Ah, uh, one of our favorite episodes.
0: <laughs> Terrorvision was great. Uh, great to talk about. <laughs> I'm going to say yeah. it's a great show.
1: Well, it's short enough you can burn through it in less than an hour yeah. and
0: a half. Yeah. Uh, uh, to Will and Whitney, as a fan of this podcast episode, when it was released, I decided to go through the entirety of Terrorvision. I admit I enjoyed the podcast episode more than the series at the moment, but that's only because I've watched some of the strange shot on video films you guys uh, you've talked about on uh, episodes films like The Burning Moon, uh, ah, yes. uh, films which could go further on into the bizarre and unintentional, something that's strange to see how weird *TerrorVision* is in itself. The show itself is definitely one of those oddities from a period before it was born that only exists because of the video technology and the need for product for the period. And there are definitely moments, the closet monster episode to the terrible video toaster effects, which were fun, very much uh, an argument, even if they had no artistic merit, that this type of material is still worthy of reappraisal. For the head trips and strange ghostly memories they might have induced on unsuspecting yous use back in the 80s when it abruptly appeared on television one late night. <laughs> if, an, if anything, the phrase, in the year 1980X, people were beating on each other with video toasters, needs to be on a t-shirt like Dracula's Space Hole. <laughs> Uh, we do not have a Dracula Space Hole t
1: shirt yet, but we did just add uh, the Jeremy Connection t-shirt. <laughs> so if you're a fan of our Whiz Kids
0: episode, that is available. It is crappy and beige. Just like on the WizKids. <laughs> That's exactly right. And you will be and it's a great conversation starter. <laughs> okay, so in the eighties one film also released from Intervision that exemplifies this area of straight-to-video weirdness that you tackled in the episode is the legitimately personal favorite, Things.
1: Things is amazingly terrible.
0: Things is definitely in the running for one of the worst movies ever made. Definitely. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm not using hyperbole there. No, that's, I, that's just
1: <laughs> true. Yeah. It's just
0: a fact. If on you're writing case. a list
1: of the worst movies ever made and you, you're you not including Things, mm. you better make sure you've at least seen Things because yeah. you will want to put mm. it on there. It's a
0: Canadian film from the, the year of my birth, 1989, that I advise only for the strong of mind and willpower. Two Canadian horror film fans attempted to make their own film, but go beyond... Oh, dear. Hold on. got a call. Uh, Sorry, I was getting a phone call. Two Canadian horror film fans attempted to make their own film, but go beyond merely not knowing what they were meant... doing, or were meant to do, but made a film that enters the realm of accidental surrealism, that, as a fan of surrealist art, is legitimately rewarding, even if it melts your brain on each viewing. There's small details, like a character pulling a jacket and a tape recorder out of a fridge... Or porn star Amber Lynn as a news reporter whose stories have little connection to the narrative? Before you even get to the greater weirdness of the color lights causing the screen to bleed, nonsensical plot points where after a character has been graphically killed, the protagonist going into a lengthy monologue about a sci-fi story he read as a boy, quote, as wide as a fridge that has nothing to do with science (laughs) fiction and exists outside the running time of the film as you sit through it. Things is pretty special. Things is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I would...
1: Things is such a wonderfully, wonderfully mm-hmm. terrible, unwatchable movie Aww. that you kind of have to see it. Like, there are bad movies that are so bad I wouldn't tell you to see it. Mm-hmm. I would tell you to watch Things. Yes. Just, he's, you're going to not believe it.
0: He's got some other film recommendations here as well. Okay. Another film from 1989 which has direct connection to TerrorVision, is Dr. Caligari, directed by Stephen Sayadian, the co-director of Café Flesh, Ooh. Uh, and with the director of the first episode of TerrorVision. Mm-hmm. And an idiosyncratic auteur, both in cinema and design, more well known for his film for his art films like Hustler, uh, his Hustler commissions, or the famous poster of the Brian De Palma's Just to Kill, mm. with the image of the woman's leg and legs and stockings. Yeah. Uh, sadly, mm. due to the dated laws on distributing pornography within my homeland of the United Kingdom, uh, where physical releases have been sold in sex shops only, the chances of Cafe Flasher's 1981 film Night Dreams getting releases as old films are never deliberately up. Uh, untitillating and weird, are slim, and I have no idea how to see these films as a fan of cult cinema. The only, the only chance
1: being okay. a long
0: shot... Sorry, these are long, complicated sentences. The only chance being a long co- shot being if someone uh, of incredible importance managed to bend our film classifiers' arms about their potentious, potential artistic merit. So you have to have, like, a celebrity fighting for these yeah. films to make it to uh, the UK. Thankfully, I've seen Dr. Caligari, a non-pornographic work, uh, and a sequel to the lengthy German film, uh, one that is just as distinct and mind-blowing, even when viewed as in less-than-perfect form, from its idiosyncratic dialogue, deliberately artificial and colorful sets, transgressive sexuality, and a memorable role from the late Fox Fox Harris, who is most well-known scienti- as the scientist in Repo Man. Fun. Uh... Whose 1964 Chevrolet Malibu and the contents in its boot cause anyone who appears it, who op- opens it appears to be vaporized. Yes. So yeah, I've so seen it. So that's yeah, Man. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Uh, It's a film in dire need of an actual Blu-ray release, especially as its director has toured with a version from the best materials his, he himself could actually access. If I ever could see it, a lot more fans of the film uh, would be made as a result. Uh, currently I'm going through perversions of science. Uh, Good next, job. Next from those you've covered, I actually can access Point Pleasant and we we'll are gladly tracked down like a Uh, Dragon Half. I hope to give feedback on Perversions of Science in another email, though so far it's a nice fix of ghoulish anthology stories, especially from Tales from the Crypt, Uh, never had a UK DVD release. I did not know that. I didn't know that either, that's too bad. That's a pity. Yeah. Uh, We have The Twilight Zone, The Outer Limits, and even Night Gallery, all of which I got to, but uh, have never Tales from the Crypt. And even the original pulp comics in volumes are ridiculously priced or out of print and absurdly more overpriced, making viewing a spinoff refresh- a refreshing experience even if it's extremely 90s and it's obsessed with showing female nudity just because it was shown on cable TV. Not something to complain about, but understandably puerile and likely to ha- put people off the show alongside its host, a female robot whose puns can't even qualify as innuendo, but purely softcore, <laughs> and whose dated appearance is so dated actually appeals to my interest with obsolete computer effects from before the 2000s that they are so fake. They, never f- they feel kind of deliberately abstract now. I also intend to get around to Manimal. I ins- inexplicably, Tales from the Crypt has never had a UK or DVD or Blu-ray really release, but Animal has.
1: <laughs> Manimal.
0: Manimal, Manimal you know, excuse me. Manimal has.
1: That's... Why?
0: Manimal, you can get Manimal.
1: Manimal wasn't successful. Tales from the Crypt was. It's mm-hmm.
0: absurd. I feel you should see it at least once as it is mandatory viewing for everyone to do so before they die, even if it's dreadful. That's Manimal. Yes. Uh, from a British fan of the show, Michael H. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Let's do one more, especially
1: right. if it's short.
0: What got? Uh, this one is from uh, Douglas. Okay. Uh, Douglas says, uh, uh, the title is, let the final annihilation of the life form known as man begin. Good. Uh, Dear Bibbs and Whitney, your Battlestar episode is probably your most interesting so far, and thank-, thank the hand of God for placing the astute Scott Mance in front of your microphones to clear up several cough mistakes the, usual- <laughs> the usually knowledgeable regular host- hosts make. We don't make mistakes. We're infallible. Uh, I agree that Boxy had. Bo- Bo- Boxy and his Daggett are horrible, yes. and getting rid of them was wise. Yes. But remember when Wesley Crusher, who was at least as bad, and wouldn't go away for several seasons of The Next Generation? Yeah, I remember him. He wasn't yeah. as bad. No,
1: he wasn't as bad as Boxy and Daggett. No.
0: He might have been bad, but he wasn't as bad. No, I mean, he
1: sucked, but, like, he wasn't that bad.
0: (laughs) The plucky kid character shows up in many films and TV shows, usually unfunny and unwanted. The elimination of the kid factor would have improved the second season of Battlestar Galactica. I remember the most excruciatingly bad moment as being the dancing robots, though making Marin Jensen's character fade away was another largely inexplicable mistake. She was fine as the Galactica's Uhura, a nice-to-look-at-to-boot. Also, the physics of the Flying Vipers through a vacuum was way off. They constantly fired their thrusters to move forward, which makes no sense unless they're accelerating, leaving aside the fact that you've heard them moving in an airless vacuum. Well, that's...
1: yeah, that's
0: that's that's uh, something in space set shows that I'm always willing to forgive when you hear yeah. the noise of the things in space. Otherwise, you're watching a silent scene. I mean, you can but unless you're doing something that's like really realistic, like Apollo 13 and you just play like loud mm. music and you actually don't hear anything or you hear voices from inside. That's OK.
1: What they tried to do in something like um, I think that is in the but, Battlestar Galactica reboot mm. was they tried to uh, like what you would hear inside the cockpit. Yeah, In the cockpit there would be some noise, but it would be kind of muffled yeah. and muted and just sort of be like what the noise your ship is making. So there was a little noise and I thought that was a decent comment and,
0: and to be fair, Battlestar Galactica was ripping off Star Wars whole, wholesale. And, that's and Star Wars didn't get didn't no crap Yeah, yeah. There's there no science in Star Wars. They're just in space. Yeah, But on the plus side, I think that the living legend was their finest moment, both for the contrast between the styles of Adama and Kane, but also for the fact that it played out as a replay of the Battlestar... The Battle of Midway. Mm, yeah. uh, two colonial carriers versus three Cylon-based stars, plus the planet Gamma Ray, paralleling four Japanese fleet carriers versus three U.S. ones. Uh, the bit about the Cylon Raiders chasing the colonial fleet, then the Pegasus, then defending the planet, e- de- then defending the planet, echoes the Japanese aircraft being sent to bomb Midway, yep. then looking for the American carriers, then landing, then getting caught on the deck with cans of gasoline and bombs when the U.S. dive bom- yeah. d- bombers are attacked. Yeah. Uh, Kane's aggressive tactics at first seemed dangerous, but not so much when they caused Baltar to flip-flop his fighters back and forth. i put this in my top 20 sci-fi episodes of all time, assuming I didn't fill it up with Star Trek, The X-Files, and the new Battlestar Galactica. Uh, Also, you guys, not so much Steve, uh, downplayed the myth... Steve? Steve. You mean Scott, I think. Scott,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, also, you guys, not so much Scott, downplayed the mythological elements of the show. Yes, there were Egyptian trappings, but there's also a lot of Mormon theology in the show. Yeah, we ended up uh, talking a bit
1: about that, I think. Uh, did we? I don't know. Uh, to... uh, I think Scott mentioned it. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah,
1: maybe not as much as we should have. Okay,
0: yeah, I, I, I'm not really intimately familiar with the Mormon theology. Hmm. Uh, Mormon theology of the show, the wedding ceremony, the idea that we can evolve to become gods, the lords of Kobal. Uh, Kolob, or Kolob, I believe. The Council of Twelve on Caprica. The idea that the devil can tempt but not destroy. Battlestar Galactica was not Star Wars on TV. The mythology was quite different. Also, the opening was clearly a reference to Eric Von Daniken's Chariots of the Gods, a big hit in the 70s in alien astronaut theory. Yeah. Um, the yeah, sorry, Ed. Uh, Bibbs, you also missed how feminist and anti-racist the show was for 1978, even with those wild 70s hairstyles and form-fitting flight jackets for the women. I call you out because this is often a pet peeve you have with older shows. Uh, Sheba is a very strong character who outflies Apollo when they first meet. She isn't just the sappy girlfriend. Sure, she cries on occasion, but so does Apollo. Serena is a single mother, TV journalist, and, while, and for a while, a fighter pilot. What more do you want from Dr. Quinn? Cassiopeia is admittedly a space hooker. But she becomes a nurse, goes on a mission, I think it's in the episode Ice Planet, and doesn't put up with Starbucks shenanigans. Boomer and Ty, Tig? -tig? Ty? Ty. Boomer and Ty are never singled out as black men. I've watched the whole series and there's not a single line of dialogue about their race. Athena is perfectly capable, though oddly written out of the series. Maybe she flubbed too many lines. (laughs) Uh, uh, when I teach this in my class, I argue that for its time, Battlestar Galactica 1978 was more progressive than the Ron Moore version, even though I agree the Rubate was re- reboot was a better series. Well, if you take out Boxy, the chimp, the dancing robots and the space Nazis, you have a solid series that approaches greatness for a few episodes. The Living Legend, The Hand of God, War of the Gods, of course. And of course, it was canceled too soon. Doug yeah. man.
1: Uh, I, I will say mm-hmm. uh, uh, progressive for its time. Yes. More progressive than the new show in its vision of a utopic society or a utopian society, yes, hmm. but the new series acknowledges that humanity isn't always perfect, and it's more about that. So I don't know if that's a fair yeah. comparison.
0: Well, but other than that, the, yeah, fair enough. That was a choice the reboot makers could have made. Yeah. Is is it as, in a utopia, or is it an imperfect society? And I guess that in making it an imperfect society, it didn't have as much of an opportunity to be as progressive as perhaps the original was.
1: I think they were making more of a commentary on our current troubled times mm. than Battlestar Galactica the original was. And Battlestar Galactica was, when I say it is the Star Wars of, of for TV, mm. what I say is not not because it's, the mythology is the same, but because Star Wars was popular, we better get a space show on TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were definitely playing up certain parallels, mm-hmm. even though, to their credit, the creators of Battlestar Galactica went in a very different direction eventually. and, mm-hmm. or, and Even from the beginning, but yeah. certainly as time progressed, yeah. they were very not Star Wars.
0: And that's Cancelled Too Soon.
1: Right. If you want to send us a letter, uh, you can send us an email at soon at gmail.com. Can- Cancelled Cancel only has one L. Cancelled with one L. The American spelling. Yes uh and you can send us suggestions for shows we're always adding them to the list but we only do one a week and our list is hundreds of shows
0: long mm. it's gonna take a while well but I, every... I actually skipped over a letter that was just a list of yeah. show suggestions like
1: and listen we're listening to all of your suggestions and the more suggestions we get for certain shows the more likely we are to re- to review mm. them sooner uh but it takes time mm-hmm. we're working on it uh but uh, and then we will read other letters on the program do you remember watching the defenders at dinatron city do you have uh, particular members of the video game? I know I played it at the time. I do not remember it very well.
0: Never played it. I looked up some footage of it. That's also on YouTube. Somebody yeah. did like a a playthrough. Mm-hmm. Um I know the game was criticized for how hard it was to play. Like the programming wasn't quite right and you like it was difficult to aim at bad guys. Mm-hmm. Like actually shoot them. Um so it wasn't a big hit, I think, as a result, even mm. though otherwise people liked the characters.
1: Yeah, Battletoads was the same way. Um,
0: Battletoads was ridiculously hard. What the
1: fuck was up with Battletoads? I can Jesus. tell you.
0: I wrote a whole I no, wrote a whole essay on this. I don't actually
1: care. Where's the uh, essay? I, people can find it.
0: Oh, uh, It's on Nerdist. Nerdist.com. Oh, okay. can, uh, it, it, I wrote an essay called Why Was Battletoads So Damn Hard? There you yeah, go. It's on Nerdist. <laughs> I'm sure it's brilliant.
1: Um. So that's going on there. Next week we'll be back with uh, You Don't Know Jack, mm. uh, which I believe is also online somewhere. You can find yeah, it. Yeah, you can find it. Um. And you can join us... And enjoy that particular program as well. Mm-hmm. Good times. <laughs> um, yeah, and we're on Twitter at CancelCast. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold uh, And we are on Patreon.com/slash Too Soon. And our latest episode of the Cancel Too Soon monthly movie is available now. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to uh, donate, if you haven't already, it's mm-hmm. good stuff. A lot of good stuff. Uh, the future of our movie reviews will be determined, hopefully, relatively soon. Uh, possibly in another podcast. Possibly in some other form. We will figure it out. We'll f- but thank we'll you for joining us. Uh, Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, being groovy. And uh, that's a wrap. We'll see you next season.